Life Talk Radio presents Health and Longevity, the program dedicated to bringing you cutting-edge information and interviews that can change your life. On each edition, nutritionist, registered dietitian, and board-certified anti-aging health practitioner, Dr. John Westerdahl, will show you how to achieve a longer, healthier life using the latest breakthroughs in nutrition, wellness, and lifestyle medicine. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Westerdahl. Welcome to Health and Longevity. I'm Dr. John Westerdahl. On today's program, we will discuss the danger and health hazards associated with eating fish. Dr. Brian Clement, Ph.D., the director of the renowned Hippocrates Health Institute and author of the new book, Killer Fish, How Eating Aquatic Life Endangers Your Health, will tell us how eating fish can be harmful for our health and for the health of planet Earth. But before we get into today's exciting topic, let's hear the latest research and news affecting our health and longevity today. Dr. Westerdahl presents the Health and Longevity News and Research Update, bringing you the most pertinent and important information about your health and longevity. Well, here's a new study that determines that omega-3 fatty acids promote functional recovery after traumatic injury to the nervous system. Researchers at Loma Linda University Center for Health Disparities in Molecular Medicine are the first to determine that a preventive diet high in omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids accelerates recovery and improves the ability to walk after traumatic injury to the spinal cord. The findings suggest that a balanced diet rich in omega-3 fatty acids can be part of a comprehensive approach to enhance the prospect of recovery following damage to the nervous system. Although much more work is needed to address this critical health problem, the findings illustrate that what you eat can be a part of the solution. The study reports that this preventive nutritional intervention enriched in docosohexanoic acid, or DHA, prepares neural cells to respond to the injury by modifying the cell membrane composition. In addition, the study shows that a diet rich in omega-3 fatty acids favors the metabolism of protective lipids and promotes the expression of genes associated with cell survival and resiliency. Unfortunately, trauma to the brain and the spinal cord are common in contact sports, car accidents, and during military combat, and in most cases they are impossible to predict. Even minor impacts to the brain and the cord can be disabling as they can accumulate over time. Additionally, the study also found that a diet rich in omega-3 fatty acids could reduce sensory deficits and enhance recovery in bladder function following an injury. Loma Linda University researchers state, because our bodies can't produce DHA, it must be acquired through the diet. Foods high in omega-3 fatty acids include flax seeds and walnuts. Well, here's a study that shows that telomere length predicts coronary heart disease survival. The American College of Cardiology's annual scientific session held in San Francisco was the site of a presentation of the findings of John Carlquist, Ph.D., of Intermountain Medical Center of a correlation between longer telomeres and increased survival for people with heart disease. Telomeres are bits of DNA that cap the ends of chromosomes and protect them from damage. Chromosomes, by their nature, get shorter as we get older. Once they become too short, they no longer function properly, signaling the end of life for the cell. 
and when the cells reach this stage, the patient's risk of age-associated diseases increases dramatically. The study utilized DNA obtained from over 3,500 individuals diagnosed with myocardial infarction or stroke, whose samples were part of an archive of close to 30,000 cardiac patients. The subjects were followed for up to 20 years, during which any deaths were recorded. With so many samples and very complete electronic records, it's a unique resource. The research shows that if we statistically adjust for age, patients with longer telomeres live longer, suggesting that telomere length is more than just a measure of age, but may also indicate the probability of survival. Longer telomere length directly correlates with the likelihood of a longer life, even for patients with heart disease. Now, I believe that telomere length could be used in the future as a way to measure the effectiveness of heart care treatment. We can already test cholesterol and blood pressure of a patient to see how the treatment is working, but this could give us a deeper view into how the treatment is affecting the body and whether or not the treatment is working. We'll be right back after this short break. Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and longer fulfilled life? Then visit us at healthandlongevityradio.com. That's one word, healthandlongevityradio.com. There you'll find valuable information and resources that can help you achieve optimal health and give you the secrets to longevity. Visit us today at healthandlongevityradio.com. Once again, that's healthandlongevityradio.com. It could change your life. Welcome back to Health and Longevity. Do you have questions about nutrition, health, or longevity? This is your chance to have them answered. On each program, Dr. Westerdahl will choose a key question from our listening audience and respond to it on the air. Due to the high volume of emails, Dr. Westerdahl cannot personally answer each question on our broadcast. If you would like to submit a question, please go to our website, healthandlongevityradio.com. Once there, you will see a button to submit your questions. And now, the question of the day. And our question for today is, do you have any suggestions to help me keep motivated to stay on my exercise program? Well, yes. In fact, first of all, choose an activity that you enjoy. To keep motivated, you've got to choose an exercise that will keep you motivated. Find opportunities to include more activity, even if it's only 10 to 15 minutes at a time. Also, read, watch TV, or listen to music while you exercise on a treadmill or a stationary bike. Also, ask a buddy to be a walking partner. Go biking or sign up for a class with you. And also mix it up. Alternate aerobic activity that raises your heart rate with weightlifting exercises each week for total fitness. And now, Health and Longevity's special feature, where Dr. Westerdahl interviews leading experts and personalities on vital topics important to your health and longevity. Today on Health and Longevity, we will be discussing the dangers and health hazards associated with eating fish. Fish, which many consider as a healthy food, is considered by today's guest expert as an unhealthy and potentially dangerous to our health of our body as well to the health of our planet Earth. Our featured guest today is Dr. Brian Clement, Ph.D. Dr. Clement has spent more than four decades researching and practicing nutrition and progressive health care. Since 1980, Dr. Clement 
has guided the Hippocrates Health Institute in West Palm Beach, Florida, a renowned state-of-the-art residential center offering programs for health maintenance and recovery and training in active aging and disease prevention. Hundreds of thousands of people have participated in this program over the last half century. And Dr. Clement is the author of the new book, Killer Fish, How Eating Aquatic Life Endangers Your Health. Dr. Clement, thank you for being with us today on Health and Longevity. Thank you. It's nice to be with you. Well, your title is quite a very out there statement there because, you know, most of a lot of doctors today are telling people to eat more fish because it's healthy for them. How do you come to say that they're wrong? Well, it's unfortunate that what I've noticed in my short 60-some years of life is that there's trades that go on and that most people don't have a lot of time to research and to learn new things. So as soon as the parade is going by, they jump on the float and they start singing the song. And even my colleagues that I had a lot of respect for in the natural health field uh, literally jumped on that bandwagon of fish and fish oils and krill oil and how good it is. And of course, being a committed plant-based eater, I never danced to that music. But on the other hand, I never really looked at it seriously until a few years ago. I started to notice that people who came here to the Institute, and uh, you know, we've been doing this work for 60 years at Hippocrates, that consumed large amounts of fish had significantly higher amounts of advanced forms of cancer than people who were, by the way, even eating horrific things like steaks and dairy food, etc. And I knew it wasn't a coincidence once I started to delve into what was readily available for me, and by the way, any other interested party about how incredibly contaminated fish is and how how we're now choosing fish that in and of themselves are unhealthy. Forget the man-made chemicals that we throw into the environment today. And the combination of these bad oils and saturated fats and 6 and 11 and more times omega-6 versus omega-3 just kill people. They just really destroy the human health. And so I'd like to cry out as loud as I can to as many people globally and say, Health is not uh, going to get to your life from eating fish. The opposite is going to happen. You're going to shorten your lifespan and potentially get sick by consuming aquatic life. Well, you know, that's interesting because a friend of mine is a very prominent uh, medical doctor known internationally. And, um, of course, he over the past several years, he's been trying to eat very healthy. And one of the things he's done is he's cut out all the red meat and chicken and all these other things and primarily eats fish. And then he came to me the other day and said, you know, what am I going to do? I understand I have high levels of mercury. (laughs) And, you know, there are different health concerns that you have regarding fish, and I guess three health concerns particularly that you're concerned about in consuming aquatic life. What are those? Well, we're going to go through them, and it's pretty simple for everyone listening to understand. Number one is the fact that we have fished away most of the common fish that you and I at our age probably learned about, and that what we're doing is taking really low scavenger type of fish that have fat bodies that are riddled with more chemicals and heavy metals than other fish because they're ground dwellers, they hang out at the bottom, Mm -hmm. and calling them other fish. And when you go into a fish restaurant, you wouldn't know the difference once they fillet these things and put them together. So the oils that are in fish, one thing that is precluded is that the same oil that fat you get inside of steak and chicken and pork is also in fish, saturated fat. All of them have it. Now, the ones who are lazy and fat have more, obviously, just like people, than ones who swim fast out there, but even the fast swimmers have it. Number two, 
the omega oils that they keep squawking about and telling you how the only great source and the only way that DHA is going to be converted is if you eat fish that convert it. All of that's completely wrong, and I'll explain it now in detail. Okay. Number one, what we want is a perfect balance of omega-6 and omega-3. What that balance is, we know, is three times omega-3 to one time omega-6. Chia seeds have that. Sprouted flax seeds have that. And then down the list, hemp has close to that right down. No fish has that. Not the best, quote, fish that is fast-moving and sports-like. What we do know is that the average fish today has between 7 times to 11 times more omega-6 than omega-3. So as an example, you may be eating a fish, most common fish that's eaten today has 1 time omega-3 and 11 times omega-6. There's studies after study that show us that that causes more heart attacks and more strokes, the opposite of what you're being told by the medical community. You look at the largest study ever conducted, it was a country of Finland, where their health uh, department went and looked at men that consumed fish and men that didn't consume fish. Well, don't you know they found out that men that consumed fish only three times a week had double the amount of heart attacks and strokes to people who did not. Hmm. You look at the University of Michigan study on colon cancer. Once again, people who took fish and fish oils, including krill oil, had double the amount of colon cancer as people that did not. Now, you don't hear these things because the fish community, the consuming public, only hear the good things about fish and the omega oils, which are not really true. The next thing we have to concern ourselves with is the fact that if I wanted to give you a parasite or an amoeba, I couldn't find a better way to do that than to give you aquatic life. And when I was young and dumb and still used to fish, and we would cut those open, visibly we could see those worms. But again, because we're a little brain dead at that point, obviously, we thought cooking them would get rid of it. Number one, there's microscopic parasitic activity that you don't even see, and that even good cooking doesn't preclude and doesn't eliminate all of those. So if I wanted to give you a parasite or an amoeba, a good way to do it is to have you eat anything from a lobster to a codfish, you know, down the list it goes. Now the third, which you suspected I would talk about first, is a major problem too, that in my book I quote the top oceanographic research scientist in the world. This is not the work I do, but this is the work they do 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're the most renowned. What they do is tell us today that the cleanest bodies of water in the world, places like the North Pole and the South Pole, where people do not live thousands and thousands of miles away from there, every one of these little bodies of water are filled with plastics and pharmaceutical drugs. Now, one would say, listening, well, how the heck does that happen if people don't live there? If you go out and look at the Pacific Ocean, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean now is the largest land dump on the planet Earth of plastic. When they navigate ships across the Pacific, they have to go around this plastic that's literally the size of California. Hmm. And they went out and photographed this. There's a wonderful video you may want to see, a DVD on this where they went and took divers, went below it, and saw the degradation looked just like plankton, and the poor fish were eating it. But when they went above it, and that sun hit that plastic, it evaporated, went up into the clouds, and those clouds then moved all around the world, every bit of it, and dumped in the rain, in snow, all of this heavy metal, all of this pharmaceutical drug, and all of this plastic that you find everywhere on this planet Earth. And so when they look at fish in every major river on the planet Earth, it's never not found that 80% of the boy fish that were two inches and below were transsexual now. 
that 80% of the two-inch fish in the Shannon River, in the biggest rivers in China, in the biggest rivers in the United States, where the shadows of the White House are, and the Capitol Building, and the Potomac River, 80% of the fish are transsexual. Boys are girls, and girls are boys now. Now think about this, and we're eating this. What do you think happens to us? And I can assure you that these things also lead to neurological problems. They lead to cancers, and right down the list, heart disease, as we pointed out, etc. So in other words, there's no place on the planet that there's really healthy fish. I remember uh, years ago, back in the 70s, uh, ocean explorer Jacques Cousteau uh, had, of course, in those days, he was going to places of the planet where man had never been and uh, testing uh, fish and finding, actually, back in the 70s, there are significant levels of DDT and pesticide residues in, in the fish. Absolutely. I mean, Cousteau was a living prophet. You know, I had the great privilege to watch him speak one time, and I said, my God, this man's 100 years ahead of his time, unfortunately. And thank God his children and grandchildren are taking up his cause, but we're not listening. And he was a person that was to the canary inside of the mind, telling us 60, 70 years ago what we were going to see. And it's so bad today. I mean, to give an example, uh, the oceanographic research science community now completely concur on one thing, that by the year 2050, which on my clock, what, 38 years from now, 37 years from mm-hmm. now, literally believe that the oceans as we know them are going to be dead, that we're going to fish them out, they're going to be dead. Now, the next step, so you understand this, people, is that when the oceans die, we die. Because in the ocean are diatoms, and most of the oxygen on this planet comes from diatoms. And they are part of a, an incredible nuance ecosystem. And if you start to kill one part of that, be it a fish, be it a bottom dweller, you're going to now throw a total imbalance out into the chemistry of the oceans. And that in and of itself, forget the global warming, we're not even discussing that at this moment, basically is going to destroy it and us. So in other words, eating fish uh, is, is not only unhealthy for our bodies, but it's unhealthy for the planet. Oh, you bet it is. As a matter of fact, fish farming is to me as a grievous as uh, knocking down the rainforest uh, so we can eat hamburgers. You know, the average person doesn't understand out there listening that all of this has an impact. Once you get away from plants, which are sustainable, uh, which are completely healthy. I've raised four children and now three grandchildren. I've worked with a couple of hundred thousand people, the sickest people in the world and the smartest people in the world. Everyone flourishes on this type of a diet. When you go from that type of a diet and you need a fish to consume something else to get bigger, and then you eat the fish, you are now going to rape the planet Earth. And most fish today doesn't come from pristine rivers in Alaska where Eskimos catch them with bare hands and ship them to your local restaurant. They come from factory farms, mostly in China. Over 50% of the salmon consumed in the United States now come from factory farms in China. They are so anemic, they are so sick, that they have to pour antibiotics consistently into these farms, into these waters, that can you imagine that they're going through their gills constantly, 24 hours a day, with feces, and inhaling the feces of the other fish, so the antibiotics keep them semi-alive. They're so anemic that when they come out, they literally have to paint them with pink and reddish colors so that it looks somewhat like a salmon should from the wild. Even the wild salmon are contaminated. Now, you're not knowing this when you're paying $25 for a salmon at your plate at your local store. And I'm not even sure that the the owner of the shop knows this. Uh, Most people like to keep their head in the sand 
and think that things are healthy when they really aren't. Well, we can see, as you mentioned earlier, the whole thing about omega-3 fatty acids, you can get all those and meet your needs from plant sources, correct? Sure, and your body converts them to DHA. Look, if that were not true, after 41 years as a, a, as a plant-based eater, and most of that as a vegan, and raising children, we'd all have major deficiencies in this. I don't have a deficiency. I've never had a deficiency in this. And so my body, like a fish who eats a plant called a sea vegetable, when I eat a, either a sea vegetable or a green plant grown on the planet here, guess what? I convert it too. And so don't, you know, once again, just like eat a cow who takes 50 acres to make a cow. Why not take the 50 acres and feed thousands and thousands of people? You know, one hamburger, listen to this, one hamburger takes 55 square feet of land to make. Now that's outrageous. How many hamburgers have I and you eaten, even though we gave up hamburgers God knows how many decades ago? No less people who are consuming two and three and four and five hamburgers a day. And we're raping the planet. We're killing ourselves. Whatever is bad for us is bad for our global environment. It's bad for our children. It's bad for the future of humanity. And so you've got to understand, we have very simple choices to make now in 2013, and it's about time we start to make those choices. Do we want to survive, or do we want to live high on our horse until we no longer can survive? Are there any other big myths you hear about uh, eating fish and why it's good for well, a person? Well, you know, let's talk about the fish oil. Yes. To me, that's, you know, one of the scariest things. I, again, I know colleagues I trust in every other area, except I hear them telling their patients, you've got to go and give, every, every, you've got to take fish oil. You've got to give it to everyone. Right. Now, Go back to the study that shows that if you take fish oil, you'll have double the colon cancer. How is it I know that, and I have to publish it in Killer Fish, and they don't know that? Why? Because the loudest voice is the fish oil industry. The loudest voice is the, the bogus checkbook science that comes out on fish oil and krill oil. Give one small example. I have a, a young guy that I know in his early 30s in Denmark. I'm in Europe about two months every year teaching. He is a brave young guy and a very smart young guy. He went up to, and I won't name the company, but he went up to the number one fish oil and krill oil company on the planet. They literally make and private label 60% of fish oil on the planet Earth in krill oil. He got in to talk to the president of the company and had him in writing admit that they put three known cancer-causing chemicals into the oil so that it doesn't have odor, so it doesn't go rancid rapidly, so you have that after-effect bite, and to stabilize coloring, because it would, it would turn dark brown and ugly looking. So three of these chemicals that he in writing, making 60% of the fish oil and krill oil on the planet, literally admitted to cause cancer in and of themselves. Now let's go back to fish oil. If you didn't do that, and let's imagine you had the one pristine fish in the world and squeezed it and got the oil out of it. Within 20 to 30 minutes after that oil comes out, it goes rancid, and it becomes something we know of as called a lipid peroxide. Look up lipid peroxide. It's a very well-established cancer-causing substance. So fish in and of itself will cause cancer. Krill in and of itself will cause cancer, the oil. But the reality is now they're adding in extra added attractions of chemicals to give you even additional potential for cancers. This is how insane the whole world is. You know, I wrote a book years ago called Supplements Exposed where I pointed out that over 90% of supplements out there in the world today are made out of oils, made out of coal tar, made out of turpentine. People didn't want to hear it. Now they're finally catching on to this. 
I'm not anti-supplement. I think supplements are mandatory in this crazy world where we're malnourished and even organic food today isn't grown in good enough soil. But you've got to pick from the 8 or 9% that are completely, absolutely food-based and not polluted, not chemicalized. Fish oil is among the worst thing I've ever seen in my 41 years of work precipitated on the public as a complete outright fraud as being healthy. This causes disease. And of course, the argument that eating fish is another good source of protein, you can get all your protein from plant foods as well. I mean, look, it, I always joke when I'm out teaching and here at the Institute, I say, look, it, in 10 seconds, I'm going to give you all you need to know about nutrition and protein. Everyone listening, listen closely. So if all life comes from the sun and captured on the leaf of the plant, what does the plant have? The most protein, the most vitamins, the most minerals, the most trace minerals, and the most essential fats. That we know. And how do we know it? After 60 years and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people doing clinical research on them when they're here, they come back to life. And those of us that live this way, we don't age the way the rest of the population does. How we can still, in the beginning of the 21st century, have a debate about plant-based eating, I don't know. I mean, we are so backward when the neurologists tell us and the neuron researchers tell us that we only use 3 or 4% of our brain. Now I understand why we're this backward. Well, again, the book is Killer Fish, How Eating Aquatic Life Endangers Your Health by Dr. Brian Clement. And for those that want to learn more on this topic, of course, the book is important, but also give us your website and other contact information there at the Hippocrates Health Institute. Yes, it's HippocratesInstitute.org. So I'll spell it for you because it took me three years of working with Hippocrates in the mid-70s to learn this. (laughs) Hippocrates, H-I-P-P-O-C. R-A-T-E-S, Institute, right along, I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E dot org. And in there, we actually have our magazine archives, and I did an entire issue on this fish dilemma about a year ago. So if you look in there, it would be under fish, fishy myths, it was called. You'd read about that, and then get the book Killer Fish, because you need to protect yourself and that your family and friends and loved ones out there, because we've got to get the truth out there today. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, and we will uh, put this book also on our website, healthandlongevityradio.com, and I do uh, want to see if we can get a copy of this book to my friend in Santa Barbara, John michel Cousteau, who's the son of Jacques Cousteau, because I think um, he and other environmentalists concerned about our waters and the fish out there and what's going on in our environment today need to be aware that there are other alternatives to eating fish. Absolutely. Well, thanks for the work you're doing. God bless you and keep it up. Thank you very much. To learn more about the books written by our guests and books written or recommended by Dr. Westerdahl in this program, please visit our website at healthandlongevityradio.com. There you can learn how to obtain your copy of these valuable and informative books. Search each page for yourself and see how you can live a happier, healthier, and longer life. Visit us today at healthandlongevityradio.com. Once again, that's healthandlongevityradio.com. That's all for this week's program. Please invite your friends to tune in and join us each week here on Health and Longevity. Until next time, this is Dr. John Westerdahl wishing you the best of health. This has been Health and Longevity with Dr. John Westerdahl, a production of Life Talk Radio. Join us again next week on the same station and time for health and longevity. The preceding information on this program has been general information about your health 
and is not to be taken as professional medical advice, nor is it intended to serve as a substitute for medical attention. Do not change your diet or exercise habits without guidance from your medical doctor, especially if you have health problems or are on medication. Do not change your medications without the advice and supervision of your medical doctor. If you have a medical condition, we encourage you to seek the consultation of a medical doctor experienced in dietary change and lifestyle medicine. And as always, we wish you the best of health.